What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite podcast about movie news, tech news, industry news, entertainment news, whatever yeah. news we fancy. All the above, uh, as yeah. always, uh, we are your hosts. My name is Willis, and my name is Josh. And uh, yeah, we're we're here again, uh, the second podcast of 2022, yeah. cruising cruising right along. Uh, Josh, you wanna you wanna start us off with some content for this week? I absolutely do. Uh, so two pieces of content that I've consumed over the past week. Uh, the first one is this movie that I obviously had no idea that this existed, but it's a really kind of low budget horror movie that I. I believe I heard about on some podcast somewhere. Can't remember, but it's called Starry Eyes. It's on Tubi right now. Um, it is... I don't even know how to describe this movie. It's kind of in the same vein as some of Karen Kusama's, like, The Invitation, something... It's kind of... Mm -hmm. It's, like, psychological horror along with, like, gruesome imagery, which is kind of interesting, with a really small cast, um, a really, really tight budget um, that deals with kind of like women entering the in the film industry in not mm -hmm. so savory ways and how that can affect them and their relationships with people and it also deals with cults and stuff like that it's it's a fun it's a fun movie um if you're into that sort of thing uh really visceral and also just yeah just an interesting watch it's on Tubi probably on Shutter as well uh, the other piece of content I consumed was the trailer for The Lost City I don't know if you've seen this trailer um it's got Sandra Bullock Daniel Radcliffe and Channing Tatum in it, which, um, oh. yeah. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it feels very much the same vein as something like Red Notice, where they grab three people who have absolutely no chemistry together, throw them in a movie and see what happens, sure. give it to somebody who has directed people before. And, you know, it's a Netflix movie. Uh, so this movie looks absolutely, in my opinion, looks awful. It seems to be. I don't know what it is right now with people just grabbing three names that they know people know and saying yeah. the, this will get people to the theater. I just, I don't know. I don't understand that really. I feel like you need some sort of chemistry there for anything to work, especially when it's about three people only. Yeah. I don't know. Check it out. I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts. It's very odd, um, and it seems like it's in that same vein, especially because the, the filmmakers are two people who did pretty much like a bunch of small indie movies before this, and now they're being handed a massive blockbuster starring three of the most famous people <laughs> of all time. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting stuff. So, um, so yeah, those are my two pieces of content for this week. What do you have, Willis? Uh, so mine are similar kind of, well, not similar to yours, but they are they are a pairing, I would say. Um, the first thing is a YouTube channel that I've been following forever. And I think I've talked to you about it before. It's called every frame of painting. Yes. Uh, and yes. they do video. Well, they did. It's retired at this point, I think five years ago, which is horrifying, but, uh, they're all still up there. There's some of the best visual, um, filmmaking breakdowns on like different aspects of yeah. filmmaking, you know, like shot, reverse shot composing movement you know how to do visual there's a great one of how to do visual comedy with edgar wright's films which is i think the first one i saw but yeah that yeah so that channel is absolutely amazing um it's by a couple guys uh named taylor ramos and tony Zhao, and that leads me to my second piece of content 
which I just discovered about an hour ago and I haven't watched any yet, but I watched the trailer mm. and it made me giddy like a little schoolgirl. Uh, Netflix put out a series in December, I believe, this past December called Voir, V-O-I-R, Voir, I guess. However you would yeah. pronounce that. Voyeur? Um, uh, no. Voyeur? V- I don't know. Voir. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I think like noir. Like <laughs> yeah, film yeah, noir. Yeah. Like, yeah. That makes sense. Um, and it's executive produced by David Fincher. It's a Netflix show. And it seems to be Taylor Ramos and Tony Zhao doing really expanded versions of the videos that they did um, on every frame of painting. And there's other epi- – it's like a, I think an eight or ten episode – series um oh no sorry it's six episodes they directed three of the six and it's just like a same examination of like filmmaking and things like that and the trailer looks absolutely amazing and as soon as we finish recording this podcast i'm gonna go watch them um (laughs) because i absolutely love their style and um i don't know it's it's really really kind of cool to see them to see it's like seeing them evolve from being just like YouTube filmmakers, right? Content creators, however you want to phrase it, to yeah. a larger world, as it were, I guess. Right, like a more um, legitimate, or yeah, 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 yeah. yeah not that like what they did wasn't like legitimate, but like there's one of the things that they talk about in the article I read about them about the the show is when you're doing this stuff on YouTube, there's like licensing rules and things like that of, you can only show, you know, X number of seconds of a clip, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Whereas when you are doing a Netflix show produced by David Fincher, like those rules don't exist anymore. You can do whatever you want to. There's an entire licensing department at Netflix. That's going to just take care of that for you. So, Mm um, really cool. Voir and every favorite painting. Those are my two for this week. Awesome. Going to add it to my list right now, actually. Yes. Yes. Um, Hell yeah. So that being said, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about this week. Um, We're going to start off talking about the Golden Globes, which aired on. Well, I guess not really aired on Sunday. Yeah. uh, This past Sunday. Just kind of. (laughs) Yeah. Were awarded. The Golden Globes were awarded this past uh, Sunday. Yeah. And we have. Many thoughts about the Golden Globes. We do. Um, we do. Yeah. We've talked about them before and we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we're going to talk about Turning Red, which is the new Pixar movie that's coming out in March. Uh, and it has been pulled from a theatrical release and pushed to a Disney Plus streaming release. Um, yes. And there's something interesting to think about there because we talk a lot about you know, theater versus streaming, but we haven't really looked at it from a animated slash kids movie perspective. So that could be, um, that could be interesting. Absolutely. Uh, and then the third thing we're going to talk about is the seemingly fresh rise of black and white cinematography in, uh, Oscar contending movies. You know, there's been a couple popping up here and there the past few years, but this year we've got quite a few. So, so we're going to get into that and we're going to get my dog to stop barking before we do that. So yeah, let's, uh, let's go straight into it. So here we go. Let's talk about the Golden Globes. Let's do it. 
I don't know about you. I I have always had a hard time caring about the Golden Globes. I'm in that boat too. I mean, just going by their track record of who they award stuff to, it's like yeah. Leaves some questions on the table of how they're choosing their, you know, their winners. Um yeah. I've heard lots of fraudulent claims of their voting body before, so. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 only kind of use I've had for them in the past really is they kind of narrow the field in terms of what's really going to be a player in the Oscar nominations. Yep. It's usually like, you know, it's not a one-to-one like, okay, whoever wins the golden globe for X is going to win the Oscar for X, but right. And it's, you know, and there's no guarantee of anything I'm saying here, but there's a a correlation we'll say uh, Mm -hmm. of the films that, end up in the golden globe nominations and the films that end up in the the Oscar nominations. So yeah, that's the only kind of thing. And I, and I would say I I use that same kind of bellwether with, with what happened on Sunday of, yeah, you know, there, there were a few things there that I'm like, okay, maybe I should be paying a little bit more attention to this now. Mainly, honestly, the, the first thing being like, okay, I think I have to pay a little bit more attention to West side story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Definitely. Um, Did you see it, by the way? I haven't seen West Side Story. Yet, okay, no. I have not either. I, I was, and I was kind of like, yeah, that'll be one of those things that I'll just, it, I'll see it at some point. Um, right. So, I mean, I guess like it can't really be, I can't really be surprised because it's, you know, Steven Spielberg doing a, a Steven Sondheim musical yeah. adaptation of like a classic film. Like, of course, like it has all of the, things that would be necessary for it to be a Oscar darling. Um, right, right. But, but to yeah, get as much was, acclaim yeah. as like the, ori- as the, as the original, it's like, or not as much acclaim, but, but yeah. to do a remake of an already like highly regarded musical is, is interesting. Um, yeah. And for it to be doing so well, obviously, again, like you said, it's, it's, there's nothing in the cards that would make me go, oh, this is going to be bad. I mean, across the book, minus yeah. Ansel Elgort, I don't think he's a good actor. That's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've heard he's an awful person, but that's beside the point. Um, but yeah, so it's just, that's just interesting to me that I'm like, oh, okay, we're doing this. I mean, did, did yeah. West Side Story need an adapt, another adaptation? I don't know. I'm not that big into it, but it's, it's one of those things I just thought was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, that like that I got from the Golden Globes. I'm like, OK, you know, there's uh, it won for best motion picture musical or comedy um, mm-hmm. knocking out two other musicals, which is interesting. But yeah, um, yeah. One being Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, which we both enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And Cyrano, which I haven't seen yet, but mm-hmm. I certainly like of those three musicals, Cyrano, Tick, Tick, Boom and West Side Story. West Side Story is the one I had the least amount of interest in. Um, Me too. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. And also what Rachel Ziegler won for uh, Best Actress. Yep. First time, which is and cool. There was, there was one more, right? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than, so it's interesting because, so Power of the Dog wins Best Picture. I kind of, for some reason, I just knew that was going to happen for the Globes. I don't know why. It was kind of Jane Campion coming back and it's, it's an awesome movie. So it's, it just kind of made sense. Um, Yeah. Will Smith for King Richard. Cool. I'm cool with that. Uh, Did you see King Richard? 
I haven't yet. No, that's one. I don't know if it's on Max anymore, but that's I. En- I thoroughly enjoyed that movie a lot more than yeah. I thought I would. Um, Interesting. Other than that, it it was very almost by the books. Like you know, obviously Sudeikis winning for uh, for Ted Lasso. Um, yeah. Jeremy Strong for Succession, Sarah Snook for su- Succession as well, um, Oh Young Soo for Squid Game, which was really cool. I was like, oh, damn, Squid Game getting a little <laughs> yeah. bit of recognition here. I, it feels so long ago. Like, Squid I Game feels like you wanna, years ago. <laughs> you want to feel really long ago. Emma Stone was up for Best Actress for Cruella. Oh, good lord. That was oh this my. year. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, yeah. Now, Time is just, yeah, we'll, we'll deal with that later. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, Michael Keaton for Dope Sick. Uh, obviously, yes. No Time to Die was going to win for Best Original Song. I feel like every time there's a Bond movie, yeah, that's I feel like going every to Bond, win. Yeah. <laughs> Skyfall, you know. Yeah. Um, but overall, my feeling was this was very by the books and they weren't trying to really steer too too far away. Drive My Car was up for, I believe, yeah. best foreign language film. Foreign which language. Is cool. um, most, most best non-English language. Which uh, like Okay, you know. <laughs> it's a weird phrasing, but yeah. It is, it is. I hear I guess, great things about Drive My Car. I feel like Yeah. I hear people say that that's the best movie that's come out in like a decade, like hands down, which is like yeah, that's a that's a statement. Right that's there. quite the statement. Yeah. Yeah. There's two. There's that um, movie, and then there's the worst person in the world. Those are the two movies that I've mm-hmm. heard just blow every other movie out of the water, including yeah. Titan, which I was like, didn't that win the Palm Door? But whatever. I heard that was like. A, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Very odd. It means there's a lot of good stuff out right now. Like if nobody yeah. can agree on what's the best, like that's really cool. Um, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos. Did you watch that? I haven't yet. I've heard it's really, really good. Really? I heard the opposite. Yeah. Ah. I heard it was like really didn't work at all, which, you know, who knows? It's it's subjective. It's a movie, so it could yeah. work for me, not work for you. Um, it's, but I don't know. I feel like that, I mean, obviously that performance, whenever there's somebody going up for like portraying somebody real like like yeah historically those usually do pretty well um well i mean if you look at like the best actress nominations from the golden globes here is jessica chastain for tammy faye yep uh nicole kidman for being the ricardos lady gaga for house of gucci and mm-hmm. kristen stewart for spencer it's like so across the board uh, all real people yeah well and <laughs> olivia coleman for the lost daughter which i haven't oh, sh- seen yeah. i don't know i don't think that's based on a historical thing but yeah, I, I mean, it's yeah. like that's that's what gets uh, <laughs> gets the attention, but which is interesting. I mean, that's another conversation in on itself. But it's like that. Yeah, when did that become the thing where it's like if you can do this person really well, nice. I mean, I I yeah. love it. It's it's really cool because you're you have to capture so much about that person to make it believable. And these they yeah. really truly did for a lot of these. Um, but I just think that's really interesting. I'm like, okay, so just be this person, and then we'll give you an Academy Award or a Globe yeah. or, or what have you. Very interesting. So I mean, uh, overall, I think winners. I wasn't overly surprised by anything. The bigger talking point with the Globes is obviously just the fact that it didn't actually. 
like there wasn't like happened. there was a there was a ceremony but it was small there was no like award yeah. winners or nominees there it was just a bunch of the voting body and some donors that's what i read i feel like we watched the the fall of the golden globes like in slow motion i remember hearing it's like okay yeah like they're gonna have it but it's gonna be like very small and like spaced yeah. out and then they're like we're going to have it, but there's not going to be an audience. And then they're like, we're going to have it, but they're not going to be any like celebrities or anything like that. And then they're like, we're not going to have it. We're just not having it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not happening. So, yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know if we... So we touched on the, the Golden Globes in one of our first episodes, I believe, and uh, the controversy that was surrounding it, which, which happened to be the fact that they had 87 members of their voting body, not a single one of them a black person, which is a very interesting yeah. statistic and almost uh, like highly improbable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's like, obviously the Globes have been shrouded in lots of controversy, but that was the most recent one. And a lot of people, a lot of studios were kind of cutting, not necessarily cutting ties, but kind of saying like, we, you need to change this or we're not going to be represented yeah. at your show. Um, and obviously that's huge because if nobody wants to be even lobby yeah. for a globe, then you're kind of out. <laughs> like there's no, yeah. there's no award. And so I wonder, I wonder what next year is going to look like for them because I don't think yeah. anybody missed the golden globes this year. Like, I don't think anybody yeah. was like, Oh man, I really wish we saw that ceremony. Like the red carpet. I mean, that's yeah. I, I know I didn't care. I saw the tweets and I was like, cool, I guess. not. This means nothing to me. Like, win or lose, yeah, who cares? Yeah, well, and it's, it's one of those things. It's like, it, like the Oscars, we'll say like the Oscars and like the Tonys mm -hmm. and like, and we'll say the EGOTs, the Emmys, yeah. Grammys, Tonys, Oscars. Yeah. Because that's totally how you spell EGOT in that direction. You know. Uh, in that order. <laughs> um, like, those ones I feel like are the like, that's the big time like mm -hmm. you the golden globes i'm like yeah like I, we don't just cool it's the same way i feel about like the sag awards like cool yeah. like they should give a, and i don't want to give a one-to-one -one comparison there but like yeah they should give the sag awards like totally they yeah. should do it but like it doesn't need to be a whole big thing just like no. you know like it can be an event it doesn't have to be you don't have to worry about streaming it or showing it or whatever just like give it out and let people put them on their shelves like cool you know exactly i mean the, the the winners obviously they are honored to be winners i've i saw yeah. it everywhere everyone's like that, that's awesome to win a golden globe but you're right it's yeah. not an oscar it's not a tony it's not an emmy or a grammy and those are kind of like that's the pinnacle of what you're a lot of people base their careers around those awards they're like if yeah. i can win an oscar that's it like that's i've made yeah. it well, and um, that's like the dream. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? No one's dream is to win a gold. Yeah, Globe. to win. <laughs> gold you know, like gold. you either want to like you want to win an Oscar or if you're a TV person, you want to win an Emmy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the Golden Globes exist in this like weird middle verse kind of right thing. But and I mean, this year might have taken them out. It was I don't know. It's just very interesting because, yeah, minus the controversy, it's just not a very good award show. So it's like, regardless yeah. of how people view it, it wasn't, I think numbers were down every year, no matter what. So it's like, I, I yeah. just don't see them recovering from something like this. I don't know. It's just really interesting. I, I've never been a fan of the Globes. You haven't either. And I think this is just one of the ones where it's like, oh, it didn't happen. Nobody missed it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's yeah. really interesting. Like nobody missed the fanfare. 
I will say that they do have an interesting potential here to like, and I don't think the Hollywood Foreign Press Association could pull this off, but there is an opportunity here to like, hey, like, let's figure out how to redefine these awards shows. Yeah. Because the Twitter thing I think you touched on was like a disaster. Yeah. Chaos. Um, chaos. Like they could, <laughs> we were saying before the pod, like, I feel like they just like descended the entire production down on their, you know, social media intern. Yeah. Um, and like, just put some tweets out. So. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tweet this? Wait, Hashtag no, sorry. This. Wait, yeah. tweet this. <laughs> oh, wait, pull it down. Oh, wait, 10,000 people have liked it already. Uh, well, you know, it is what it is. It, ha- it had the vibe of five people standing behind one person, like, on a computer or on a phone. Like, 100%. no, 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 not that, not that, not that. Wait, no, wait, did you post that? Wait, unpost it. Like, wait, hold like, on. <laughs> um, he, he did some drafts but on those. I don't think they'll really be the ones to do it, but... The, the Golden Globes has an interesting opportunity at this point to sort of try and like, like redefine how award shows are like done, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, there's the huge, big Oscar esque kind of thing, like the, you know, four hour production and whatnot. And then there's the train wreck of a, a Twitter feed that that we received um, yeah. the other night. But I think there's like a, an interesting middle ground somewhere in there of like redefining like what these second tier awards shows can be. Like, I don't know if it's like part online or if it's part like, I don't know, it might be a cool thing to like expand it across a bunch of different platforms. So like, well, I don't know now that I'm saying it like streaming on imagine. Twitch. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like, like, you know, like. Oh, yeah, here's Snapchat. see all the clips on YouTube and, you know, follow along on Twitter. Like for, there could be a centralized kind of thing that there there's something that's like a format that's like new, that's like ready to be discovered. I feel like as a, yeah. as a, I don't think that the Golden Globes are going to be the ones to do it because I like we've said on this podcast before, they just want to hang out with famous people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, I don't think they're going to go, hey, let's like innovate somehow um right and they want to be the oscars like that's yeah they want to be the oscars and like the oscars yeah. will never they're not going to be the ones to do that so it's yeah i think it's open for them to do something like that um and i and i'm curious to see what happens post pandemic whenever we get out of this whole thing yeah what happens to these award shows because i think obviously that's thrown a wrench into a lot of things and has changed people's minds about whether or not they necessarily need certain things uh, to be associated with these award shows so it's definitely open for them to do something i agree with you i don't think they're going to be the ones to do that because they don't that's not their whole mo it's weird i i think through the like the top the top award shows and i can't think of any of them that are gonna like start doing that i feel like it'd be a really cool thing for the razzies to pioneer dude yeah you know what i mean of like yeah nobody watches this we don't really do like a whole thing but like let's like (laughs) make this fun for people like I just right. imagine, like here's like the Razzies dashboard on your computer oh, browser, that would be sick, and it's like actually. here's the tweets from all the people as they win. Like you know, here's yeah. the videos of their performance. Like you can click on the YouTube thing. Like it's an interactive Ooh. kind. Of, I don't know. I'm pontificating wildly here, but um, sold. I don't know. I think that's yeah. Yeah, it'd be a cool. There, there's something there. There's something to be done if we can just get over this mentality of. It has to be a big fancy to do award show. Um, right. 
But hey, wholeheartedly yeah, agree. Golden Globes, I guess, is what we were talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the yeah want to want to be the Oscars are decidedly not the Oscars. Um, yes, and yeah. it's just funny. I mean, like award shows in general. It's just I've said this a bunch before, but art being awarded something as best is always funny to me and and obviously the golden globes are even less prestigious than the oscars so it's <laughs> yeah. like what are we saying about any of this here um, well and i so, feel like i value the opinions of the members of the um hollywood foreign press association like less <laughs> than the members definitely. of the academy <laughs> absolutely oh my god sorry guys but it's true listeners go look up uh golden globes controversy because there are there's a myriad of things uh, going dating yeah. back, you know, <laughs> a very long. Gonna have time. to get a couple pages deep on that one. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Golden Globes, definitely not the Oscars. Definitely not. Oscars gonna have a, a host this year. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. We'll see how I, that goes. Um, we'll definitely see how that goes. <laughs> no one announced yet. I I seem to recall like the past couple years, people being like, "Wow, the Oscars works a lot better without a host." But. Hey, all right, we'll see. Bring back yeah. James Franco and Anne Hathaway, James guys. James Franco and Anne. That was like, <laughs> I feel like that was the low point. I know. And, and like, they thought they were going to do, they thought that was going to be such a thing, too. They're like, this we're, this is going to, yeah. everyone's going to love this. And everyone's were they, they like, They were oh. in a movie together? Or was it? Oh, who remember. knows? I don't know. There was like a I, reasoning behind it. <laughs> I'm um, sure there was, but it's probably a stupid reason. I, I miss uh, the old days of Billy Crystal. Um, I think oh, we've talked man. about this in the podcast. He was, he was the one where you're like, yeah, you need a host because this is amazing. And yeah. then it kind of, it, we kind of just kind of have been going downhill since then. Um, right. You but need hey, the right maybe, host. Yeah. Which I don't know if the right host still exists in Hollywood for that kind of thing anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But. I don't know why we're talking about this. Let's move on to our next topic, which is <laughs> um, Pixar has a new film coming out being released. Yes. I don't even know what the terminology is called Turning Red, um, yes. which to my understanding is about a girl who turns into a red panda when she is stressed or something like that. That's um, going a little past my knowledge. I know it's got a yeah. red panda in it. <laughs> yeah. Girl who turns it. Anyway. Um, yes. But was supposed to have a theatrical release up until this past week and yeah. now no longer has a theatrical release. Yes. No simultaneous. None of that. Going straight to Disney Plus and no paywall for Disney Plus either. From what I can tell, it's yeah. going to be not premiere access. Which is a little sad, honestly. A little um, odd, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, for those of you who don't aren't big Pixar or Disney people, Pixar has been kind of the baby for, for Disney since they acquired it back in the 90s. Um, and because they have con- consistently... Surely it wasn't that pumped- long ago. Huh? It wasn't that long ago. When they bought Pixar? Yeah. Hold on. Really? Didn't they buy it? Wasn't Bugs Life in, like, 96? Uh, Disney bought Pixar, uh, for $7.4 billion in 2006. Oh, okay. 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 Oh, so interesting. Well, 
regardless. But anyway, um, yeah, sorry. Pixar has been one of the more consistently performing studios that Disney has acquired. I mean, obviously yeah. they've had a good track record this far, but it's uh, they have released some of my favorite movies of all time, honestly, and it only has been in the past couple years, probably five or so, where mm-hmm. they've kind of taken a little bit of a their creative their creative juices seem to have not like stopped but have gone in different directions like they they aren't kind of creating these legendary iconic pictures as they once were like i mean every single film from 1996 to like 2011 was something that's like oh wow yeah this is a staple now and your toy story is finding nemo wally up yep incredibles Um, ratatouille i mean it goes on cars i would say cars Yeah. yeah Cars, the Cars other has the, three movies. Well, yeah, Cars has and a TV lot. shows. Um, but they'll also like Inside Out. Like um, the mm-hmm. one for me that I think was a turning point was The Good Dinosaur. Oh yeah, I which came out that. in 2015, and like yeah. to give you a sense of this is crazy looking at this too because the cast is wild. Um, yeah. but like looking at this, I'm like. Even trying to look up what it was, I searched for the green dinosaur. (laughs) So like that to me, I remember that movie coming out and like being like, this doesn't feel the same. This feels like something different. And I think that's kind of a turning point for me because then like not that they haven't been good movies since then, but there's right. It's not on the same like. Yeah, it's it's not on the same kind of like next level pop culture influence like kind of thing and maybe that's just me getting old but i don't know so yeah so this is turning red will be the third pixar movie in a row to go straight to disney plus yeah um also soul and luca straight to disney Mm -hmm. plus which it's like an interesting thing because like, I wonder how much of this has something to do with, like, the franchisability of the things mm. that, that are putting out. So, yeah. Soul, Luca, straight to straight to Disney+. Plus. We also, in that time period, got um, Raya the Last Dragon. Raya? Mm-hmm. Raya? Raya. Raya, I believe, yeah. Yeah, which was set for a theatrical release, but then got sent to, I think it, it ended up in a dual release with yes, a thirty dollar pay thirty dollar paywall, um, yep, on Disney Plus, and and Ryan the Last Dragon is a Disney animation soul film. Not so, that poor phrasing. It has nothing to do with the movie Soul. Like <laughs> it's solely a Disney animations movie. Um, right. Right. Yep. So like I don't know. What do you think? Like is it something that like they're getting more? Like, are they, I, what you had mentioned off pod before, like, are they kind of cooling on Pixar? Are they, like, done? I mean, it's, I, I, I hate to go that route because I think, like, Pixar, like I said, it was, it's one of the more consistently uh, performing studios out there. Yeah. I think so. And, I mean, it's weird because, I mean, if you look at the last three to five movies i completely forgot about the good dinosaur but that on i mean inside out included we're talking Mm -hmm. about movies that don't necessarily resonate as highly with 
kids. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the animation, 100%. Like, if you're watching Soul or um, Onward, any of or those Coco's movies. Coco's the other one in there. Coco, yep. Oh, that's yeah. a great movie, too. Um, that was Pixar? Mm-hmm. Great movies, but they're yeah. not the same thing. It, it just doesn't feel like... So here's the thing. Pixar movies used to be adult stories with a, a like a childlike wrapping over the top, like a childlike yeah. finish. Toy Story, Finding Nemo. It's about little fish. It's about toys. It's about cars that talk. Yeah. We're now in the point where it's like that's not really what they're about. They're they're still you know obviously we still have those adult themes. We have the kind of existentialist stuff that that Pixar loves to talk about. Yeah. But they're not veiled as kids movies minus the animation fact yeah and i think i mean you look that, at coco coco is about death and remembering yeah those i mean who die like let's be honest so was uh i mean soul was like that onward was yeah. like that as well they're all about death and soul i think we mentioned this before it's uh, if you're not an adult yeah the soul doesn't make sense yeah. like it's about experience it's about regret it's about not living up to your potential in life and that if you're doesn't... not an adult, there's nothing below <laughs> the surface on, on soul. No, it's just like, oh, exactly. funny. He's in a dog's or in a cat's body. Right. You know, right. Um, and it's it's, a, again, a well-made movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's not one I've revisited, unfortunately, but it's not one that I think is is latching on to the public's fear and especially not latching on or our, our kids aren't latching on to it because I, there's just nothing there for them to grab onto. Like, yeah, yeah the animation's nice. Um, so I think and. You know, we mentioned uh, Encanto came out this year. That was a Disney animation film, Rye the Last Dragon. These yep. are, you know, kids' movies. Like, Encanto very much is, it still deals with adult themes and stuff like that. But I, yeah. I think that Pixar has pivoted. And I don't know if that's the creative yeah. direction. I haven't looked too far into it. But it's not, we're no longer in the Brad Bird era of, you know, yeah. of Pixar, which. Well, and I think, and I, 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 I would ask our listeners to fact check me on this, but I think Brad Bird is one of the major players in uh, Disney animation as a whole these days, like still has his hands in Pixar, but is also like one of the leading kind of guys with, with that stuff. Um, I believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's like, the, like it's not to say that they're not making great movies too. I mean, like, you know, Moana is excellent. Like it's great. Uh, yeah. Big hero six, you know, like oh, I'm like fantastic. looking at a list here. Um, I mean, you I mean, like even, like you get frozen, yeah, and like um, Wreck It Ralph is the other one that I have in my head. Yeah. Um, Love that, movie. but like, yeah, it, the, you know, there's depth to it, but like not on the same le- not on the same storytelling level that um, Pixar is is putting out. So like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're just kind of talking about the differences between Disney and Pixar at this point, but right. like. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a weird turn. I mean, like, of course, given the atmosphere in the world today, like, yeah, it's like a good bet that Turning Red was going to, you know, lose its theatrical release for it was coming out in mid-March. And like, you know, young kids still can't get vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. So there's like an added yeah. level of this audience that you're trying to market to is more at risk. So like, right. Um, yeah. It's like it makes sense. I'm just a little sad that it's like one of the, I'm sad that they're not charging $30 to watch it. How weird is that sentence? It's um, uh, yeah. Yeah. You charge 30 bucks for Cruella. You can't charge 30 bucks for. <laughs> yeah. 
Come on now, guys. I'm starting to feel like I have to watch Cruella. It keeps like being in the like <sighs> pop culture zeitgeist, and I'm like, ah, this is I know. Those, and now it's know. just on Disney Plus, so eventually yeah. it'll get there. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, um, I. It's it's just it's kind of this thing where it's like we I grew up with Pixar my whole life and yeah. it's it's weird to see this kind of trajectory that they're on right now where it doesn't seem like people have faith in them. And it's not yeah. for the lack of good movies. It's just because the culture, society is shifting. And I mean, I don't know anyone who talked about Soul. I don't know anyone who talked about Onward. I don't know. Like yeah. people still talk about the Incredibles and Toy Story. I mean, that's yeah. just what it is. Well, and um, that's the interesting thing too, because we we're getting like Toy Story four and um, yeah. the Incredibles two and Cars mm-hmm. three and Finding Dory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. I think the interesting litmus test for this, and you had said this before we started recording, but the interesting test for this is Lightyear, um, which is mm-hmm. is coming out and is like a new take on one of those giant franchises. You know what I mean? As much as it pains me to call toy story, a giant franchise, like it is, I mean, it's one of the more dependable things that, uh, that, that Pixar has. Um, yeah, definitely one of those. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Cause I don't, it's like, it's not Buzz Lightyear. It's Chris Evans. I know know. it's very weird. Cause the trailer for Lightyear didn't have, um, any like, any real vocals of his no there was like one but little word i think one, one word at little, the yeah. end which i'm like yeah. fine you know and and this is another movie where i'm like did we need a buzz lightyear yeah. origin story no but yeah. i understand like do you think this is a response actually just to kind of go in this direction do you think this is a response to the way that the most recent pixar movies have been like received because it's like oh i don't I don't know. I think it might be a response to lackluster interest in Toy Story 4. Yeah. You know, they might have said, okay, we got to like, we can't just do Toy Story 5 because, well, very specific things happen in Toy Story 4. No spoilers, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, um, I don't know why I'm like not spoiling Toy Story 4 when I like spoil things yeah. endlessly all over here. The toys aren't all together at the end of Toy Story 4. We'll say that. So it makes yeah. continuing the story a little bit more difficult. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It might be a response to that of, yeah, like let's reexamine how we do this and do something bigger and more, I don't know. Yeah. Something else. You think we'll get a Woody uh, a Woody origin? <laughs> a Western? Yeah, you know? <laughs> not, not, a, not a terrible idea. I think. Oh man, what if they gave us like a live action Woody? Oh, ooh, that, that'd be weird. I don't know about that one. Uh, <laughs> by Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad ooh. Bird did a Mission Impossible movie. It's true. It's very true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how Lightyear does. Obviously, I think yeah. this will be. I assume this is going to go to theaters, but right now it it's very possible it doesn't. I think Turning Red's another yeah. movie where it's like, n- nobody knows what this is. Um, yeah. Obviously, 2022 or 2021, I guess, was franchise IP heavy. Like, everything yeah. was banking on, you knew this coming into it. I mean, all of the, and we talked about yeah. this last episode, all of the, um, like, the the Harry Potter, the reunion specials, all the reunion oh, specials yeah. that came out. Mm-hmm. 
there was like no, nobody was asking bunch, for those. Yeah. They were just they just happened, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, freaking the Friends reunion! This is amazing." Yeah. So I think we're, things are leaning more into if you know it, that's a safe bet. If you don't yeah. know it, we'll see what happens. Um, At least in terms of theatrical release. Theatrical releases, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. Lightyear will be a good a good kind of. Um, like a like a marker and to see what happens in the future for Pixar because if this doesn't perform, yeah. oh, baby, I don't know. Yeah, I, we'll see. Yeah, I'd hate to see, but you know, it is what it is. I'd Things be change. interested to see what would happen if Pixar spun back off into its own, uh, yeah, studio. But yeah, well, well, that's a conversation for another day. Let us continue on to our third topic. I, I just like transitions have just become like. And now, um, so I noticed the other day when I tried to sell my wife on seeing Come On, Come On. Yes. uh, Unsuccessfully, I might add. Uh, Oh, man. I heard it was great. Might edit that part out. Um, (laughs) But uh, when I was trying to sell my wife on Come On, Come On, there are a lot of films out this year. Well, at least in terms of like things that are in awards contention. Um, that are filmed in black and white. Yeah. And this has been like an increasing trend, I guess I'd say, over yeah. the past few years. Um, I hadn't really thought about it, but then when I did start thinking about it, there's been quite a few. You know, we had Mank last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, um, you know, we, going back, you had The Lighthouse before that, Roma, Cold War. like Yeah. Um, and then this year we have Belfast, Tragedy of Macbeth. Come on, come on. Uh, passing. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I haven't seen, but, uh, and then like even sections of the French Dispatch, which, yeah, it is a very um, Wes Anderson kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's up and coming. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nebraska. Remember Nebraska? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it used to be kind um, of reserved for very specific works. Like, I mean, you mentioned the yeah. artist off pod and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the artist back in 2011, yeah. the artist is now an 11 year old movie, uh, was like the first one I really remember being like, oh, like this is like a weird, like it's like so retro or so old school. Like, you know, yeah. they're, you know, but uh, I don't know. What do you think of the uprise of black and white video? video ew what do you think of the uprise of black and white cinema cinema there we go that's the word i'm looking for um i mean i enjoy it i think the aesthetic of black and white is awesome it's interesting because i think that obviously in 2011 it it kind of would set you apart to do something like that um and even you know when roma came out or or even mank it's like there weren't 10 different movies in the academy award circuit that are going to be doing this so it was kind of something to set you apart and it's also something to kind of flex your filmmaking abilities because it's Mm -hmm. you know you're you're constrained by the use of two colors and all the shades of gray in between you can't utilize all of these other things that a lot of filmmakers love to do um so i think it's really I, i i love the aesthetic of it done really well my concern is that it's going to start becoming like a trend and yeah i don't like that i think that yeah it should be reserved for works that deserve that you know yeah um, it could almost become like a cliche kind of thing 
Right. And and none of the movies that we've mentioned thus far feel like cliche movies. They're very much, there's a reason for them to be in sure. black and white. I mean, folks, go watch the trailer for Tragedy of Macbeth, which drops, I believe, the day that this comes out. So uh, yeah. check it. Uh, gorgeous. It looks unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's my and concern. And like a is film that we- arguably wouldn't work in like anamorphic color or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and same with, uh, come on, come on. I mean, it just doesn't seem like it would work not in black and white. Uh, so my only concern is it becoming a gimmick. Uh, but I, I, I enjoy it. And I think that it's, you know, having this be something that filmmakers continue to do and it's, it becomes more of a, I don't even know how to put it, but like a, a stylistic choice that's a little more popular with the filmmakers that like, if I saw like PTA make a movie like this, I'd be all about it. You know, I think that'd be awesome. Um, but I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on it? I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing because I, I I go back and forth because like there is something to it that like it's a gorgeous aesthetic that really like does set your film apart. Yeah. But in like flip side of that same coin, it's like I I think there's a potential and I don't like I said, I don't think or like you said, I don't think any of these films do this, but like there's a potential that like it's made black and white to set itself apart to be like a step up or not a step up, but like be something different from like, you know, everything, Um, which I guess is like what black and white has always been. Like that's what film school short films are all about. It's like, Oh, I put it in black and white to make it more artsy. Like I literally like one of my films in college has a black and white section. Cause I was like, well, I want to be really dramatic this at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But like, it, like as long as it's motivated and yeah. I think like, you know, I think all of these are, especially like tragedy of Macbeth, like, yeah, like it begs to be in black and white. It um, does. Yeah. Like, cool. And like, it is like in terms of a technical standpoint, just as easy to shoot in black and white. At the, well, I won't say just as easy, but there is like a whole degree of lighting that's required for right. shooting in black and white of like, yeah, yeah like. Just because you're shooting in black and white doesn't mean that everything in the scene is black and white. You can do a lot of cool stuff with the brightness or darkness that certain colors show up on black and white film. Right, exactly. You know, um, which can make it even more aesthetically pleasing and or jarring if you are so inclined. Right, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it breaks out of like the indie zone that it's in now. Like, can you imagine yeah. like a tentpole kind of thing or anything like that? That's in black and white. <sighs> no, or even I'm... like you could say like, um, like French dispatch, like something where part of it is yeah, in black, well, you know, like a section or something like I have a hard time seeing that. Sorry. Sorry. No, no. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's not, and I'm for some reason this is the one movie that sticks out to me. The the Oz Oz the Great and Powerful that movie that mm-hmm. came out with James Franco as Oz. Yeah, the first yeah. part of that movie is in black and white because it's it, yeah. it's supposed to be like the whole Wizard of Oz thing, um, and then it go, they go to you know Oz and stuff. Um, but yeah. so obviously that was slightly motivated. But yeah, it will. It doesn't feel like it would lend itself to something like that and i don't think general audiences would necessarily pick up on it being like motivated or just being like oh this is kind of odd and especially if we're talking like we're talking big blockbusters now or whatever you know it's not it might not have a place 
I I don't know. I think it needs to be a filmmaker that understands why they're using using it. Yeah. Like it's not just to throw it in there or just you know just cut the <laughs> yeah. color. Tr- well, just desaturated. Yeah, post. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Do you think something being in black and white makes it a harder sell to the general populace? I, I do, yeah. 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 Like, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a comparison to be had here of, like, the uptick we're seeing in people being more accepting of, like, subtitled foreign language films. You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, that... Yeah. It's it's That's not a one-to-one comparison, but I'm like, okay, here's, like, a thing that's, like, modern audiences are becoming more... Yeah. I guess desensitizes in the world, but more accepting of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which in that case, it's like interesting to like ponder is there like a, are we building to like a tipping point where it's going to be like, oh, yeah. And now there's like going to be like a black and white phase where like Chris Nolan's new film is in black and white, which is like not a stretch of the imagination. Not a stretch at all. Like that Um, could happen. Like that he's Oppenheimer could be black and white. (laughs) Yeah. And then everyone wants to emulate that. And then we get all kinds of, I know it's a, it's an interesting emulation. I feel like that's, that's the issue is like, it's what we're seeing now is motivated, but we don't want people that are like, Oh, well I want to be like, I want this to be like the tragedy of Macbeth. So I'm going to shoot in black and white. Exactly. Or I want this to be like Mank or the lighthouse. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, the way things are that very well could happen. It's, it's interesting because I, I feel like the, like we're getting a lot more filmmakers who aren't afraid to take risks like Robert Eggers. Yeah. Like we're talking about the lighthouse. I, I want to shout out Sean Baker also for red rocket and a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, lot, lots of stuff that's still shot on film. I mean, there's, there's filmmakers out there that are taking those things into consideration, like into real consideration that I, that I respect. But yeah. I mean, we talk about Marvel and Disney a lot, and a lot of those those filmmakers who kind of make just like these big pieces to be seen by general audiences. Yeah. If that stuff gets adopted over, like if the black and white and that stuff gets adopted over to that, it'll be a hundred percent gimmick, and there's not going to be. That would make me kind of dep- that would. It, you know, yeah. it's going to be, and I that you're going to like. Yeah, you know, it's going to be Zack Snyder. I know. I know. I mean, fucking Batman or whatever it was. Snyder Cut could have easily been in black and white. Like, yeah. Wasn't the trailer he put out for it in black and white? I think there. Yeah. And yeah. oh, actually, there's a black and white cut of Logan. Ah. Which, you know. I, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And there's been actually. That's, that for a little it's bit, interesting yeah. because there's black and white cuts of movies. That's something that is that is a thing. Um, yeah. Which. Uh, yeah that's it. <laughs> is it not like that's the question is it like just desaturated it's like the same film just desaturated or is it like a unique cut i think it's just in black and white yeah yes yeah, and that, i'm sure I, I bet you there is a black and white snyder cut i bet you there is i'm um, sure i'm sure I, there's a fan-made one somewhere <laughs> Oh, someone's man. just like, oh, you know, like Warner Brothers wouldn't let him do his full vision and do it in black and white. So, I, so yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it upon myself. Yeah. God damn it. I, I for the time being, I'm all in on this black and white stuff, because, again, it seems like there's a reason for it. All yeah. of these filmmakers like Joel Cohen doesn't just make a movie and throw <laughs> yeah. something on it just for the sake of it. But things move quickly now. And people yeah. latch onto stuff very. I mean, you know, we talked about 3D and it being like woo, whoo, yeah, really quickly down, <laughs> yeah. 
And I mean, the fact that this is starting with prestige movies, like movies that are really well regarded is cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like, it's all an upper echelon of filmmakers that are like doing these. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I think maybe like the, Oh, I want to emulate this. So I'm going to do it in black and white is a very amateur mentality and amateur thought process that like higher level filmmakers are probably not going to subscribe to, but yeah, but then there's Zack Snyder, (laughs) Michael Bay. Oh my, do you think that Michael Bay would let anyone touch the saturation slider on his movies? No way. (laughs) He's like, if we're not crushing these colors and making them look super ridiculous, that's true. (laughs) Ambulance and black and white cut. I'm down. Let's do it. Well, that's the same concept of there could never be an MCU movie. That's black and white. Cause it's like, yeah, the colors are all it's, it's, it's the whole thing. And that's the other thing. I mean, black and white comic books. There are, but like the whole deal in like, especially with Marvel right now is it's to make everything as palatable as possible, as easy to consume as possible. And with black and white, like, yeah, it's technically sure. It is the same, like in terms of like exposure and, and, and shooting, but you do have to consider color so differently Yeah, because you are not utilizing color the same way. And so I think that that still will be a big, like hurdle for a lot of filmmakers to jump and it's like it'll it'll make them think differently about the way they because if you just put iron man in black and white i don't know that it would look very good um yeah (laughs) so i don't know it's i'm sure we're gonna get an mcu movie in black and white at some point it's just you know there'll be some section exactly yeah it's interesting it'll be it's it's building yeah so if it's just building people a palette for it to make it more acceptable awesome if it's building towards this is some kind of like ooh, we can use this to set ourselves apart from other films i'm less on board with that totally and actually one parting question before we end this do you think that would get people to go back and watch older movies to be like oh wait a minute like because that could that can be a barrier for some people to be like older or like back into the uh like true black and and things like that yeah true black and white films like that were could only be shot that way potentially i mean if we're if we're building up a palette for it potentially um i mean i think of like casablanca or the maltese yeah. falcon or things like that to name you know the two most obvious ones right right um <laughs> citizen gain <laughs> three most obvious yeah interesting because i'm like you say citizen kane and i'm like i get similar vibes off of tragedy of Mac- macbeth in the black and white that i do it there's like a yeah. lot of spatial play and framing play and like yeah it's not a it's not a stretch to say that the tragedy of Macbeth could make Citizen Kane more palatable for a. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think a lot of it, it's like you could be like, oh, yeah, I really like black and white movies and then go back to the 50s when it was like, you know, 16 millimeter black and white that, you know, was hand cut together. And sure, all, like there's, you know, a level of technical precision that we are used to at this point that uh, might not translate back. But. Totally, totally. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. We'll, we'll ponder that one. We'll yeah. think on it. <laughs> hmm. We'll sit on um, it. We'll all right. think on it. Yeah. On that note, uh, let's bring it back. Let's bring it home. Um, let's do it. We got some recommendations coming at you this week. Um, we do. Th- our theme for this week, uh, given that the Golden Globes were awarded on uh, on Friday... Yes. Sunday? Friday. On One Sunday. Of these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what day is it? 
<laughs> time is an illusion. Who knows? Um, lunchtime doubly so. Uh, given that the... Let's take this again. Given that the Golden Globes were awarded on Sunday, we are going to give you our recommendation of our favorite Golden Globe winning film. Yeah. Which, as I say that, I took it as like best picture winning one, but I don't, I that's guess what, there was nothing in the rules. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did too as well. And, and it's hard because there's, there are so many. So calling yeah. this my favorite is it's, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can say it doesn't have to be favorite. It can be, this is what I recommend. Good call. That's because we are just dealing with a list of like, you know, some of the, like I said earlier, it's like a list of some of the best like films that have been made. Right, you know, right. Like they're awarded these for a reason. So, exactly. Um, so, what's your what's? And we've talked so much now. What's your recommendation, Josh? <laughs> Recommendations. So, uh, so mine is going to be a bit idiosyncratic here, and I'm going to go with Steven Spielberg's E.T., which came out in uh, 1982. Ah. This movie was the first movie that I ever saw by Spielberg. I mean, this is one that my parents had on VHS and was played a lot in my household. And it's still, I haven't seen it in a number of years, but it's still, every time I even just think about it, I get the picture. And it's not even them like, you know, cycling across the moon. It's the picture of the guys in the hazmat suits and the big Mm. white tunnels. That's what I remember about that movie, like vividly, because it dealt with, like Spielberg does this so well. His movies don't feel like adult movies, even though they largely are. Like, this feels like it's through the the lens of a child, which is it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be through the lens of Elliot. And this movie, man, it was, it like is a haunt. It's like a scary movie. It's like pretty scary. Like, there's some traumatizing things. (laughs) I am absolutely terrified of this movie. It is. (laughs) This movie, more than any movie I've ever seen, scares the shit out of me. I first saw this movie, I think, when I was, like, two. Mm. When you're, like, not really old enough to understand what's going on. Just, like, the visuals. And, like, I used to have nightmares about E.T. coming (laughs) into my room. Like, I... To this, my friends, when I was in high school, my friends tried to make me watch it and I legitimately had a panic attack and had to leave. Like, I am scared to death of it. Like, I'm a little, like, anxious just, like, sitting here talking about it. And it sucks because it's, like, E.T.'s become this thing where it's, like, fine to just throw it into, like, TV commercials and shit. Yeah, yeah. And you're, like, triggered, triggered. Absolutely, absolutely, (laughs) like, traumatized from a very young age. And like I haven't I haven't seen this movie probably since I haven't seen this movie since the 80s. I'll put it probably that way. That. Wow. Wow. And it's one of those ones. I'm sure if I watched it, I would be totally fine with it. But I will never be able to get over the anxiety of like sitting down to. Absolutely. Like (laughs) the big the big traumatic uh, movie of my childhood. Which it's it's so thanks for bringing that up, Josh. <laughs> we're bringing back some, we're dredging up some old memories here, uh, on on pixel splitters today, guys. Um, yes, but yeah, so I, I, I just have such a weird relationship to this movie. Um, I it's just as a kid watching this, like as a between the ages of like two and, and eight, you just mm-hmm. like I just wanted to have that kind of crew of friends where we could just go we're all gonna go pick this person up we're all just gonna go bike and we're gonna go do this thing and we're gonna go fix this issue and it's like one of those things it's just 
it, it this movie more than any other movie like defined a lot about my childhood in in really interesting ways um hmm. Reese's Pieces you know all, all that stuff uh, I do, see that's the thing I don't <laughs> I I have no idea what the story of this movie is I'm never gonna find out but I'm like I know the 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 big pop culture moments that are like still around I know but yeah <laughs> what the actual story is I I don't really know um oh man well, listeners, that that's my recommendation. <laughs> Watch it or don't. Super I, not my recommendation. We're not sure. Um. <laughs> we're not sure. <laughs> uh, but what do you what do you have, Wills? What's your recommendation for the Globes? So my recommendation for this week, um, and this is like I went back and forth on a lot of these, but mine is going to end up being two uh, thousands Gladiator by Ridley ooh, Scott. Ooh. Um, it's really interesting like looking at this list because there's a definite wave of like a move away from like indie art house movies. Yeah. And that kind of culminates with Gladiator because they're like Gladiator was one of those ones that I remember watching the Oscars for this and being or well, I guess I didn't watch the Golden Globes, but like it also won the Oscar that year. But I remember watching that and being like, really? This seems like a very like popcorn esque movie for like to win best picture. Yeah. Um, and it's like one of those it's it followed like the three years before it were American Beauty, Saving Private Ryan and Titanic, which are all like big kind of movies. Yeah. Whereas like the past few years, you know, we've had uh, 1917, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Moonlight, The Revenant. These are like not, you know, big kind of. So I don't know. I, I love Gladiator. I like yeah. unabashedly. It, it's one of those. Um, the score is iconic. Like yeah. Russell Crowe in the most like perfect role for him of all time. Literally. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 our man Ridley Scott um, back on the pot again. We but, love to um, talk about Ridley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Go watch Gladiator or at least just watch. Listen to the. uh the soundtrack because I put that soundtrack on all the time when I'm working and stuff. So yes. Great recommendation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that'll bring us home. Um, yeah, finally at long last, that was, we've been talking for quite a while here. We have, um, but you know, it wouldn't be a pixel splitters podcast if we didn't comment on how long we've been talking about. So I know, (laughs) um, Josh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on the internet on Instagram at Josh J Fuller. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Fuller uh, at Josh Fuller thirty three. Fuller is spelled with no e. You can also find me on Letterboxd uh, at Josh Fuller as well. And where can people find you, Willis? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Letterbox at Willis Film. Uh, and I've made a deal with myself of watching three new films uh, every week this year, and I'm gonna. I'm going to letterbox all of them. So tune in and yes. see my thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> um, if you want to find, if you want to find the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter uh, on Instagram at pixel splitters on Twitter at pixel split pod and on letterbox at pixel splitters, where we'll have all of our recommendations, which now has to include ET. God it does. It. Yes. Um, Watch ET. <laughs> I feel like we'll have to divide it now. So people don't think I recommend that movie. Uh, <laughs> Willis is half, Josh is half. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, like, follow, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. Leave yeah. us reviews, give us the five stars, give us 
four stars. Well, we'll, we'll yeah, get be that honest. fifth star from you. Be yeah. honest, you know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, I think that'll about bring us home. Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like we usually say other stuff at the end here, but I guess we usually not. have some sort of vamping at the end, but you know, you know, it's okay if we don't. Yeah. Week two of wow. 2022. 2022. In the bag. Insane. Many yeah. more to come. Yes. Here we and, go. Uh, and there's the vamp. There it is. Cool. <laughs> All right, Josh. Good let's, talking let's to you, end man. This, let's end this podcast. Uh, good, good talking to you. I will talk to you next week. And, uh, yes.